You're listening to the Cat Breeder Sensei Says Podcast, the show that supports the reputable breeding of pedigree cats. This is your host, April Catito, and in this episode, we'll be talking about what defines a reputable cat breeder. We will get into all of this juicy stuff right after this short message. Do you want to learn how to become a successful breeder of pedigree cats? Now you can. For the first time ever, enroll in an online training course that takes you step-by-step through everything you need to know to get on the right track. Visit CatBreederSensei.com to sign up today and use code PODCAST21 to get $25 off. Okay, we're back. When it comes to breeding cats, there seems to be a negative stigma that is attached to that title. We see stories of people that have overbred animals and now they're being confiscated by the local authorities. These poor cats are in very, very poor condition. They're not healthy. It's not a clean environment and they're not being taken care of. I think this type of situation occurs when things just get out of control and the breeder is participating in these activities for entirely the wrong reasons. That is certainly not the behavior or reputation of every cat breeder. Without responsible people out there who are enthusiastic and passionate about preserving and protecting their choice of breed, we wouldn't have pedigree cats. While some people may discern that it's better to adopt than to shop, you certainly have an audience that disagrees and prefers to have a pedigree cat in their home. So what can we do as a community of pedigree cat breeders to ensure and using in our breeding program and producing as pets for other people are the healthiest, happiest, and safest that they can be? We need to make sure that we're taking the measures to be reputable breeders of these pedigree animals. When I first decided to enter the space of breeding pedigree cats, all I saw and continue to see to this day, in fact, is a conflict between breeders. There doesn't seem to be a lot of support in this community. In fact, in the beginning, I felt like I was even being pushed out and made to stay away. Without the support of your peers and other people who have more experience than you, I can see where it can be quite difficult to learn the ropes of being a reputable breeder and how to take action when situations come up. I have five things here to mention that if you practice these particular points, you'll be well on your way to being and staying a reputable breeder. The International Cat Association, also known as TICA, is a well-known cat club all over the world. They provide a very comprehensive and simple code of ethics to abide by when you become a member of their club. There are six conditions in the Voluntary Code of Ethics, and let's go over them now. Number one, I will guarantee that the kitten or cat is in good health at the time of the sale. Now, isn't this one of the most important goals of our cattery? If we're focusing on health, temperament, and type in that order as our goals, then we should always be striving for health to be number one in our cattery. A healthy cat and kitten can encompass so much detail that it can be overwhelming. So your role as the breeder is to 
educate yourself and become aware of all of the health issues that could be related to your particular breed. If there are any measures that you can take to prevent those health issues, then you certainly should do that. Keeping a clean and sanitary cattery is important for the health of your cats, as, as well as minimizing stress. If you become aware that there's any health issues in a line in your cattery, then it's your responsibility to spay or neuter and discontinue the use of that line in your program so that you breed out any potential health problems. Number two, I will urge the purchaser to have the kitten or cat examined by the purchaser's own veterinarian within a few days of purchase to confirm its good health. This condition is actually seen in most of the breeder contracts that I have seen. There's usually a request to take the cat or kitten to the veterinarian within 72 hours after the kitten arrives and just have the veterinarian do a health check and confirm that the cat is in good health condition. Number three, I will explain to the purchaser the dangers of an outdoor environment. Part of your job as a breeder is to educate your buyers. A lot of people are unfamiliar or just haven't heard of any potential risks of letting your cat roam freely outdoors. And while it may be somewhat of common sense to us, that may not ring true for other people. So just make sure that your buyers are educated on topics like outdoor free roaming and declawing of animals so that in case they had any questions about it, they know who to ask. Number four, I will provide a written sales agreement that describes all the terms of the sale. I will abide by my own sales agreement. It is very important to always have a sales contract between you and your buyer just in case any potential issues come up after the sale. The contract will cover that and help settle any disputes. Number five, I will make every effort to spay or neuter every kitten or cat prior to leaving the breeder. If this should not be possible, I will require that the kitten be spayed or neutered no later than 12 months of age and not be allowed to produce any offspring. I will provide the Tika registration certificate and or pedigree for the kitten or cat only after I've received written evidence from a licensed veterinarian that the kitten or cat has been altered. There is a large majority of breeders who now do early spay and neuter, which means that they alter the kitten before it ever leaves and goes to its new home. There's also the option of requiring that the spay or neuter of the kitten be done before the age of 12 months old or whatever age prior to that that you put the limit on. With either option, the reason is so that your cat or kitten does not land in the hands of an irresponsible person who wants to breed cats without the education that is truly required and the knowledge to do that. By allowing someone that's unfamiliar with the breeding process to have one of your kittens for breeding puts them at risk. You're not protecting and preserving the breed when you allow that to happen. Number six, I will not release a kitten until it has been inoculated at least twice against the following. Panleukopenia, feline rhychotracheitis, and Khaleesi virus. I also may choose to give other vaccinations. In some states, a health certificate is required for the sale of a pet. You can check the requirements in your state 
to see if a health certificate is required, and this will coincide with number six of the Voluntary Code of Ethics. Maintaining a cattery for breeding is a lot of work. Cats need a lot of space to reduce stress, and stress causes health issues. So it's important to know what type of housing accommodations you'll be able to provide for your cats in your breeding program. There's a lot of details that goes into this that we'll discuss in another podcast. But start doing some research on how to house and care for your cats. There's even some information on the TICA and CFA websites about minimum requirements for housing. And your state may even have requirements for breeding facilities for these animals. Every pedigree cat comes with its list of health risks. There are now DNA tests available for every cat breed that will allow you to test the genetic markers for these health conditions. Several companies offer these tests and they're not very expensive. Every single cat that's part of your breeding program should have the DNA test performed and available for anyone to see at their request. You can even post it on your website. Believe me, buyers are happy to see that you do DNA tests on your breeding cats and that you've cleared them for those genetic risks. I think with any venture, the key is educating yourself and knowing the ins and outs and what to expect in every situation. Of course, it may take years for you to get to the point where you've seen or experienced it all. And I've heard a lot of breeders say that even after 20 years, they still see things that they've never seen before. But educate yourself and learn and network with people that are in the same community as you are. My goal is to help build a community that is supportive, friendly, and that can lift each other up instead of tearing each other down. We have enough of that in this world already. I've never been able to figure out why the lack of support exists in the cat breeding community. I've been involved in many other spaces and there always seems to be a community that sticks together, supports each other, especially for newcomers. Tika currently recognizes 71 cat breeds and there's probably hundreds of breeders for each breed. What an enormous amount of support that could potentially be. You can use these points from today's podcast and be well on your way to being a reputable and amazing breeder of pedigree cats. Thank you for listening to the Cat Breeder Sensei podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss any episodes of Cat Breeder Sensei Says.